This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people and the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that the modern Australian nation has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people following European arrival. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart too. Better ways to push and pull. Hey, whatever gets you through these days. Hello, and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 134 for Monday, 3rd of August 2020. I'm Jeremy Siapirko, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host or hosts to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's returning guest hosts are both returning guest hosts, my beloved wife Denise. Hello. And Cam Smith. Welcome back, Cam. Hey, how are you going? Well, I mean, I think that I'm in probably one of the best places in the world right now. Uh, bit, of, bit of a state of emergency. Uh, sorry, state of disaster. Mm, we're beyond state of emergency. So, Cam, you're, you're also in Victoria. We, this Actually, this is an entirely Victorian podcast with three Victorians. So, fair warning to anyone listening to this. Uh, put a bag over your... Headphones? I, your head, you know, put a bag over your headphones, over your phone. If you're in the car, put a bag over the car. Or Are at least three Victorians story. allowed to be together in the same area? Even if it is not... Well, I've covered the computer t- with, with yeah, a plastic bag yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'm spraying in the direction of Cam. Cam has fortunately turned his video off. Which also protects us a bit, so we just sort of I just sort of spray it in the direction of the camera. That Maybe makes sense. Cam, would you prefer if we turned our camera off and then then you're, you're safe from uh, whatever exposure you get by looking at us as well? No, because then I wouldn't get to see your smiling faces. True. And true. I'm and I'm otherwise starved of smiles because uh, we've all been muzzled by the government. <laughs> what was the idiocy from? Uh, I, I love that you can always rely on on people who have reasonably responsible jobs at News Corp mastheads like. Not opinion writers, not your Andrew Boltz, but like your economics editors like Adam Creighton or your you know, political editors like uh, Sophie Ellsworth. This is their, like supposedly their highest quality journalist output. And they're still posting very, very silly things. Did you see them, Cam? I did. I, I did see Adam. See, I mean, I guess the thing to understand... To tell What did Adam, what did Adam have to say? I, I don't have the exact text handy, but basically it's... They're still on the, the reopen train. Oh, they're, they're also on the uh, br- brutal dictator train. His remark was, Shameful what's occurring in Victoria. Effective dictatorship declared. Devastating, destructive power of the state on full display. Respect for the individual clearly irrelevant. What's the point in being alive if you can't live? I feel that that should actually be written, read... Sort of like Mike Myers and So I Married an Axe Murderer beat poetry style. I've never seen it. Oh, wow. Sorry, yeah. I, I'm not... Look, there's only so much... I'm not of a your, man of culture. Yeah, look, <laughs> I try to keep in touch with Denise's Canadian culture as much as I can. Like, occasionally I will listen to some Nickelback. Oh, my gosh. I'm divorcing you. <laughs> you know, we, we might put on Snow. Mm-hmm. You know, Canadians love Informer. It's a, it's a, you know, just... Look, I find them a bit challenging... Due anyway, to, due to their lack that, of quality, to but re- it's part important part of a Canadian culture. <laughs> Nickelback, Informer. I'm going to punch you in the face. Soon. <laughs> um, I haven't seen the movie. Wait, what? Anyway, he does some beat poetry in it, and and it's just yeah. She was a thief. You gotta believe. She stole my heart and my cat. 
Shameful what's occurring in Victoria. Effective dictatorship declared. Dictator- like, Devastating destructive power of the state on full display. Yeah, like, but uh, to know. be fair, Adam Crichton is a fringe you know, polemicist who's, oh, he's the economics editor for The Australian. Okay, mm. and co-host Business Weekend Sky News Australia. Actually, to be fair, although those titles make you sound like you're not a fringe loony. They don't. <laughs> the Australian, like, you, yeah. I think, I think at this point, do make th- you sound like you're a free I think at this point, I, I think at this point, though, the the uh, the days in which economics editor the Australian and co-host Business Weekend Sky News Australia doesn't make you go, yee, those days are in the past. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's still this cohort of uh, right wingers who still want to, you know, from the very beginning, they were like, let her rip, let's wow. see what happens, you know, the economy above all. And those people's opinions haven't changed. It's just be- they've just become very unpopular opinions because we came so close to elimination. Mm. Well, did you like? I mean, you've, got, you've always got your you know fringe loonies like the member for Q, uh, Tim Smith, the uh, who's like simultaneously screaming at, 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 at Dictator Dan, uh, the friendless loser that I think he calls him, who, who won't won't let us go to pubs. But then he's also simultaneously screaming, you know, we should be setting the police to be. Uh, locking people back down in their homes. Yeah. You tell us your insights while I while I look at what what, what the deranged thing was from Mister. I can't believe that D- D- Dan Andrews is such a dictator. Followed up shortly by I think it was ankle bracelets. Ankle bra- That's what it was. It wasn't the police. It was ankle bracelets. That's right. The fine the fine advocates of freedom. Well, like ankle bracelets are a thing that you give to a person who commit- has committed a serious crime worthy of imprisonment. Mm. <laughs> but no, he wants people who have been. Simply diagnosed. In fact, is it even just people who've been diagnosed, or is it even just? I think it was maybe even people who'd just been tested and before they got their test results back. And I saw that message filter through to the conspiracy world as well. Oh my goodness! There's this whole cohort of people who don't even they don't know the difference between liberal and labor. And so some MP is saying we need to put ankle bracelets on, and that might as well have come from Dan Andrews's mouth, as far as they're concerned. Oh gosh! (laughs) And so. Now they're freaking out even further. I'm pretty sure that, that Daniel Andrews is perfectly happy to have Tim Smith speaking for him. <laughs> well, the thing is, some of these people, I think, would probably be happy to go so far as, you know, you cough while you're in the grocery store because, you know, you have a dry throat and they'd run up and slap a bracelet on you and charge you $1,600 fine. So I'm just trying to, you know, Tim Smith has astonishing output. I'm trying to, hang on, let me just control F in Twitter. Ankle bracelets. Uh-oh. I'm trying to post it. Uh, no, I'm not trying to post. I'm trying to find where he talked about ankle bracelets. Uh, you almost pulled a Dan Murphy opening hours built for ankle bracelets. What was that? What happened? The, uh, it was. I think it was the chief health officer, officer accidentally posted Dan Murphy opening hours. He needed a drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, I think if I was the chief health officer, I would need a drink right now too. Maybe maybe we're talking of conspiracy wackos. We should. So <clears throat> if people don't know what... Um, Cam gets up to when he's not doing podcasts and... Uh, well, not doing this podcast. Well, and his own podcasts. Cam, who you can find on Twitter, at Sexenheimer. Uh, we, we, apparently, we're only going to... We, we, basically, all future guests who are not us have to have a really long Twitter handle that starts with S. So, um, Stilgarian, Sexenheimer. And Cam has been the one who's been finding all of these wackos on Facebook boasting about their uh, sovereign citizen fights over why, why they shouldn't have to wear a mask and why anything, any kind of rule... That affects them uh, is uh, discrimination against them as a, as a woman. Mm. Um, so Cam is most of these things that you've seen from various news sites. You'll find um, her were actually salvaged from the depths of Facebook by Cam, who is like, I don't, 
Well, <laughs> Evie well, in the background. Evie is, finds that hilarious. So, Cam, somehow you've been digging. Where are you finding all these things? A lot of them are in Facebook groups. So, you know, there's uh, you know, know your rights groups and uh, ironically, uh, Q and on groups and groups like this where these things they share them with their their friends and. Uh, I just find them fascinating. It is a bit fascinating. Because you found, so you found the one of the, the woman who was at Bunnings being, I don't, the exorcist from out, out west, I think. Uh, so the, the, there's two, there's two Bunningses. There was a, the Bunnings Karen. Yes. 1.0, 1, 1. who I, I posted. She was out, I think sort of in the southeast out at Narry Warren Bunnings. Oh, I thought she was the exorcist. Ah, uh, no, no, no. I'll, I'll explain all. Okay, you t- tell us, and we'll, we'll drop in the right, the relevant audio at the right times. So the one out at Nary Warren's is the, uh, you know, you can't discriminate against me as a living woman person. And I got I got a lot of feedback about that. Uh, I don't know if any, everyone had picked up on what the living woman thing was about. She wasn't really talking about gender discrimination. Uh, when she was saying she's a living woman, she was talking about the sovereign citizen concept uh. that the person themselves is a living woman or a living man or a living person and the entity that all of the laws apply to is the one that is written on their driver's licence, which is this fictional corporate entity that's created for you when they write your birth certificate. Wow. So they, they put, they put you know how your name's in all capital letters on your birth certificate? Uh, that's not because that's legible. That's because uh, corporations always have their names in capital letters, is the thinking. And so they think because this other thing is in capital letters, that means that's a corporation that has been set up by the government. It has its own little shadow bank account that the government operates. And if you separate yourself from that fictional corporation, then they can do whatever they want to the fictional corporation and none of it applies to you, which includes all law. Hang on. Do, so do they think? Sort of do they think that? So they do they think there are no laws at all? So they basically think that if so basically if somebody were to rob one of these idiots, that person that they why why would they can't call the police because the police don't have any? What laws are they even enforcing? Well, this might come as a shock to you, but they tend to pick and choose. Oh, right. uh, but I've sort of seen it explained that you know there's statutory law that doesn't apply, but then there's also universal law or common law. Uh, which is basically whatever they want it to be. So if the if they are wronged in any way, that's against the law. But any wrong that they do is okay because everything's legal for them. All right. Well, let's let's start with some some of the clips that you've grabbed. This is one of the women who went to Bunnings to harass the staff. Sir, I'm just asking if you've got a mask. Well, it's clear I don't. Well, and you are not authorised to ask they... me or question me about it. Would you like to speak to the manager? Sure. I actually don't need a medical certificate if you refer you to the DH. No, I'm allowed to do this. That's and you're discriminating I'm not, against me. We're all just trying to all be in this together. We're, we all have all to in wear what together? I actually don't. And you're not authorised by the Australian government to even question me about it. It's a condition of entry of our forest. Then that's discrimination and I can have you sued personally for discriminating against me as a woman. We're not discriminating against anyone. You it's are. It's a condition of entry to all Bunnings. It's not. It's an unlawful condition of entry. Yep. Therefore, that ex- exposes you personally and Bunnings to being sued for discrimination because it is in breach of the 1948 
charter of human rights to discriminate against men and women. We're not trying to discriminate. Could you please you stop are. filming? No, I'm not going to stop filming no because this is my evidence against you, you and Bunnings for discriminating against me as a woman. We're not, we're not trying you to are. discriminate against anyone. You totally are. If you take out your phone and look up the Department of Human Services and have a look at the conditions of wearing a mask, I don't even have to have this conversation with you because you're not authorised by the Australian government to even question me. As I said, it's just a condition of entry. To I don't care. It doesn't apply to me. It does not. It does not because that's a breach of the Charter of Human Rights. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. I'm not going to stop filming you. It is unlawful and it is discriminatory and it is illegal. And I'm going to continue going in here and getting what I need because it is unlawful for you to do that. All right, so if that's what you feel as though you have to do, as I said, it's a condition of entry, so we'll be having this conversation every time you walk into here. Oh, and I'm fine with that, and I'll be recording it every time. Please stop recording me now. So I'm not going to stop recording you. No worries. It is my right as a living woman to do whatever I want. Yeah, so uh, she, she was eventually asked to leave. Uh, when the police arrived in the car park, she refused to give her identity because she also believed that... Uh, she didn't have to identify herself to the police. Oh, good. That's partly based on an actual precedent that was set that they seem to have really misunderstood. There was a case, I think, in like 2011. She talked about ju- Justice K. Justice <laughs> K. So, I, I believe that was one of the men in black. I think. I think that was. Uh, I forgot his name. The, the Tommy actor. Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Sorry. Yeah, I think that was Tommy Lee Jones. I think. I've read a little bit about the case, and I think I sort of understand what the case was. I believe it was someone doing a dine and dash, and they managed to dash quick enough that the police couldn't, like, uh, stop them. I don't, I don't exactly understand how this works. There's, I think that they maybe they hadn't heard the police say, you know, identify yourself, and so they managed to... If you do the crime fast enough, apparently you can just <laughs> walk away, uh, and so then well, they more, it would probably more if you, you you haven't heard the request, then you can't you kind of fail to do it because like an important element of it is you know the, the message being communicated and received. Yeah, so like but, if, if but, you're told to do something and you don't hear them do it, well, what, what are you meant to do? So then that finding it's reinterpreted to mean that uh you know. Any the police can't ask you any questions, you or you have the right to you know not say anything at all. But of course, if you're stopped by the police in Victoria and they have a reasonable suspicion that you've committed a crime, just you do you do have to provide your ID, your name and address. In fact, or I they don't can even, arrest you and I take you back to the station. I don't even believe they have to have reasonable suspicion. I believe that the police can just ask you to produce your identification, and you have to. It become, well, then becomes now a the police matter. can do anything because we've just given the Victoria Police like all the powers of a state of disaster. So you know, it's it's a great. I do love that between um, Black Lives Matter and now, uh, other than the police having more power to stop people protesting against their uh, abuse of their power, all that's happened is that they've got more power. They have. There have been. There's been no effort from any governments to even pay lip service to considering the concerns that are, are mm. being raised in Black Lives Matter. Like, yeah, it's it's shameless. Like, you know, all of this. Oh well, it's lovely for you. To, you can go out and protest, and like, New South Wales it got crushed. Like, there was no transmission uh, of COVID at the 
previous Black Lives Matter protests, and clearly the police don't think it was serious enough to at the previous ones, you know, being wearing masks or not spraying capsicum spray in a, an enclosed space. Like, they don't act like it's a serious thing that concerns them. They don't act consistently with that, except insofar as they want to shut down the protest against their abuse of power, which, weirdly, <laughs> they're really... really So all this sovereign citizen giving the police shit stuff is a weird, a weird place for us to be in because the police absolutely have been abusing their power and exercising it in a, in a capricious and uh, deeply problematic way. And none of the reforms in terms of making sure that whistleblowers are protected and encouraged and there's a culture of not covering up for other cops but in fact reining in the excesses of behaviour, there's quite the reverse culture. But instead of there being any changes to that, well, we've got that situation where it's very hard to be sympathetic to the police, who have repeatedly demonstrated that they will repeatedly um, abuse their power, particularly against marginalised groups, yeah. um, and there's nothing to do about it. And you can see, I don't know if you saw Cam this morning, what South Australia uh, police did with their... There was a, there's this violent arrest of, a, of an uh, Aboriginal person back uh, in, uh, in June, July. Uh, mm-hmm. The South Australian police have done an, an internal investigation. They've decided that notwithstanding uh, the footage that's there, and they won't release the body cam footage to the rest of us, even though there is body cam footage, um, but they've just decided that, no, it's fine for him to for them to have beaten up the guy. And, uh, in fact, they will just charge him for resisting arrest because his arm during the confrontation flails in the direction of uh, one of the police officers' capsicum spray, supposedly. So, therefore, oh, wow. it's, like, it's obscene. And this stuff keeps going. Like, there's no... The whole point of BLM was to well, put pressure on that. And another man died in Western Australia... Australian prison about a week ago, like another Indigenous man. And like the governments, if this was a genuine issue, sorry, if they were genuinely concerned about the COVID, but taking the protest seriously and the issues seriously, they've they've given no indication that they've heard or care about any of the issues because they could make some effort to address it. They could at least pay lip service to addressing it. And they've done nothing. They've just gone, fuck you, how dare you try protesting during a pandemic. Yeah. Um, We won't address anything. Like as if those issues don't deserve... Well, anyway. And when they do actually have an opportunity to address the issues, such as raising the age of... Uh, oh, God, yeah, since the last podcast. Yeah, so the thing to raise the age from 10 to 14, like that a person can be charged and imprisoned, they uh, didn't do it. They declined to not do Yeah, so the Australian Attorneys General said, yep. no, nah, we'll come back to it next year. So in the meantime, a bunch of 10, 11, 12 and 13-year-olds will be being tracked yep. into prison, and almost dis- massively disproportionately Indigenous. It is hugely kids. disproportionate. It's like 60 to 70% of across Australia and in some states like Northern Territory, it's like 100% of children at that age are Indigenous. But um, across Australia, it's something like 60% and they're nowhere near that. Of the, of the people who are being, the yeah. children who are going to prison being Indians, yeah. yeah. And and where are the questions of Dan Andrews at these press conferences where they're giving him a hard time about, they, they're trying to do a gotcha about each individual element of the virus, mm. but there's no questions there about, so why aren't you raising the age um, from 10 to 14? Because Victoria could do it. Like, there's yeah. no reason why they have to wait for the other states to do it. So, you know, any of this good guy Dan Andrews stuff, the guy is still choosing for the next year at least to imprison 10, 11, 12 and 13-year-olds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so back to the sovereign citizen and the police stuff, it's very hard to be sympathetic to the police when these idiots are up there being like, you can't arrest me. And it's very hard not to be looking at that going, this is really a manifestation of 
how much privilege these idiots have. Like, yes. you can imagine, given, you know, can you imagine if the, the, the indigenous guy who's being beaten up by the South Australian police is standing there being like, you can't arrest me. You can't beat me. Yeah. I do not consent to being beaten. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. I don't, uh, you can't arrest me. I'll charge you with kidnapping. <laughs> I'm but kidnapping. I'm, yes. Uh, the amount of leeway that they give these people is sort of the model for how much they should be giving everyone. Yes. Mm. It's, yeah, it's really obnoxious watching how patient they are with these white privileged people. Yeah. Being and absolute it, dickheads. And then contrasting that with how we already know they treat everyone else. But if you looked at it in, um, in Sydney, the suburbs where they were handing out all of the fines were some of the poorest suburbs and the suburbs with the highest um, multicultural populations, indigenous populations. And they were just focusing in that area. Like they were going specifically to that area and handing out far more fines than they were going to, you know, it would be like the police deciding to go around Turak and, uh, you know, they were never going to do that. They're never going to go to the fancy suburb here in Melbourne. They're going to, they hit up the ones that have really Imagine high... if we had a system whereby that kind of bullshit by the police... Wasn't allowed? Not wasn't, out. wasn't even imaginable. Like, oh. the, 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 you know, whichever part the public service in charge of the police would... would recognised straight away that they couldn't pull that shit. Yeah, and so because of that, Karen from Turak thinks that she can do anything, and this is oppression being made to wear a mask, you know, and, and it's, it, it, I think a lot of it comes down to how do I convince you you should care for other people? This isn't a conspiracy. The, I don't think the police were deliberately going out and over-policing those communities any more than they already were. Yeah. Like, the, the, the fact is that they were all, those communities were already being over-policed, and that it, it just continues. Yeah, like those communities are over-policed. There is a disproportionate amount of police there. Um, people are, it, it's that same thing that, you know, if you're a poor kid a poor, or a poor black kid and you get, you know, arrested with some pot on you, you're going to go to jail probably. And if you're well, not, a white... Not in, a, in America you would. Here yeah. as well, actually. I, are they jailing kids yes, for possession of, of cannabis? Teenagers, yes, they are. Um, indigenous kids, yes. But if you're, uh, you know, a white kid from a fancy suburb and you get, you know, pulled over and you have that on you, you're not going to. But like realistically, at the beginning of the pandemic in Australia, the hotspots were the richer suburbs, and so they mm. should have, if they were were treating it seriously as they should have been, they should have been re-diverting those resources because, you know, it was people coming back from overseas the Aspen who, who had it. Yeah. I don't remember the Herald Sun running a uh, front page like the one they did for those uh, two, the Courier-Mail did for those two girls, who 19-year-olds who flew back to Brisbane. Did you see the puff piece on the Aspen cluster the other day? Yes! Oh, no, actually, <laughs> I think they're some kind of uh, benevolent saviors of us because they got, the, they got the coronavirus and now they're providing their blood samples for research. Oh, how so, generous. <laughs> well, I'm sure that the 19-year-olds in Queensland could do the same thing. Yeah. Where's the puff piece on them? No. Yeah, I mean, what was, what was the front page of the Courier-Mail? It was the enemies of the state. Yeah. Just absolutely vicious. Oh, it was. And, and yeah, and it's too, like, they did a dumb thing. And being, I'm not, don't really have issues with them being charged per se, but I do have issues with them, their faces being flat, splashed all over the paper. And anybody who's claiming that the front page of the Career Mail of the Enemies of the State uh, is not was was not racist or likely to be racist, given have racist responses, given mm-hmm. the photo, the pictures that they used. Uh, Kate and Joshi on Twitter uh, pulled out responses when they it's the Career Mail posting this on Facebook. Um, Did they immigrate here for a better life? Well, if they don't care, send them back. I hope they're being held in jail cell and their Centrelink payments are being withheld. If they're on visas, they need to be cancelled and deported. No lives matter to these black girls. 
Oh, they have been given an opportunity of a lifetime to be living here in Australia, and all they can do is steal, lie, and cheat. Not to mention wasting money on trying to look like the Catwoman. Deport them, I say. Uh, deport ASAP. Lock her up. Deport the dog. Etc. 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 Oh, and it's not about race, volume two. Deport it. Are these idiots Australian citizens? If not, I think a stint at Xmas or over to PNG in order prior to de- deportation. Uh, you know, etc. Yeah, you're basically, if anybody, if anybody, and there's like a long thread of these. Mm. Just it's terrifying and sad. Uh, so the Courier Mail knows what it's doing, but yes, it did not do that for the Aspen people. All right, do we want to hear any of more of the wacko? Uh, well, wackos, poor wacko. I don't want to be, you know, disparaging uh, wackos generally. <laughs> do we want to hear any more of it? But let, let's hear the other Bunnings one. Do we want to hear the other other Lasset Bunnings? Let's hear it. So. I have my pots, I have my shovels, which is what I came here for, and um, we'll be approaching the counter now to see if they'll accept my money. Remember, this is about being a cashless society and there's a whole other agenda here. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens to the system of corruption. We'll go over to the information desk, everybody. Australia, we'll go over to the information desk and we'll see what happens, okay, to this killer virus and its agenda. Remember, this is about your control. It's about your compliance. It's about silencing you. That's what it's about. Yeah, so this was the second Bunnings woman. I felt she was stealing... Bunnings Karen Valor because she went on like the morning shows to talk about being Bunnings Karen but I don't know if it was made clear enough that there were two separate Bunnings Karens. Well she was promoting Bunnings products did you see she was using the Bunnings fire pit uh, and the Bunnings kindling and fire lighters and the Bunnings I think the Bunnings like it was it was there was a whole you know it was it was it was products promotion really. Mm. If, if you want to burn face marks dramatically Bunnings they'll beat you know they'll beat it by 10%. Yeah, she's a bit of an unusual one, though. She seems to have gotten uh, convinced that there's a large Freemason conspiracy in the country. In the, <laughs> This the last... is from Channel 9 talking to, getting her on just so they could say, oh, no, that's too far even for us. Yeah, and now she's convinced that Cal Stefanovic is a Freemason as well. She actually, she actually said something interesting. She said she was talking to a lawyer, and oh. they told her, you know, if you want to know about anyone in this country, just ask them, who's your daddy and where did you go to school? We're going to play a wonderful game called who is my daddy and what does he do? And that can tell you a lot about, you know, the media elite or, you know, the politicians in this country, which is not <laughs> untrue. She's uh, discovered nepotism. But uh, I don't know if necessarily it means they're all Masons. No, it well, just means we have a system which prom- where, where people are promoted on the basis of connections and wealth. Yeah. But no, they, they must also be Freemasons because that's the only way they can have connections or wealth, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's seen Carl do a funny handshake. The weird thing is, like in Bunnings, she was talking, you know, like she was doing a protest against being told what to do. But then it turned out that there was this whole other side to her. She's an exorcist. Yes. Uh, she's a psychic. She had uh, channeled the coronavirus. What does that mean? She connected psychically to the coronavirus and asked it what it wanted. Oh, it's alive. It's sentient. Well, she discovered that there are actually three strains of the coronavirus. And ah. so people found, like, Instagram posts that she made back in April where she's wearing a mask and she's telling everyone, you know, 
this, we've got to take this seriously. Where everyone wear a mask. Uh, you know, wash your hands, keep sanitizing your hands, wipe everything down and wear a mask. And she's explained now that the reason she did that is because uh, the strain of coronavirus that was present in Australia then was airborne. It was, which yeah, our strain is too, but it was everywhere in the air. You could just breathe it in from just walking anywhere. And so you had to wear a mask for that. She also channeled uh, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. She channeled wow. them. She asked for the the gods to send her a sign and the next morning she found a dead bat on her front yard it had fried itself on the wires above her healing hedge and when she cut the bat open the sigil of the coronavirus was imprinted on its heart every, every part of this ba- is perfectly okay. sensible she cut the bat open which is what you do when you find a bat that's died you immediately cut it open and look for sigils that's can you can any of us say that we haven't done the same yeah, so if, yes. if there's a Hendra outbreak in Victoria on top of the coronavirus, we'll know what's happened. <laughs> well, the Chinese Communist Party sent the Hendra virus to her in a dream to spread. It just makes sense. But she, as she explained, just because the, the vision came from a bat doesn't mean that the virus actually came from a bat. Ah, um, uh, well, obviously. So, yeah, there was quite quite a bit going on with her. Well, are you talking yeah, about... I don't, like, there is a lot going on in that one. Well, I'm going to I'm going to play the last one that you've you've sent through to us. I mean, there are there are lots that Cam's been grabbing, but while we're talking about the the idea of the the virus being alive, then there's this Tasmanian naturopath discussing germ theory with a flat earther sovereign citizen yes. that Cam has found. Uh, let, let me drop that in. So, can you tell us a bit more about the nature of a virus? What a virus actually is, and if it's contagious, if it's alive. Well, from that point of view of it being alive, it doesn't classify as being alive. It doesn't have any of the same sort of criteria that we would give to something that's alive, like an amoeba or a parasite or any of those types of things. It doesn't have any of those. It actually, from the function of a a, um, virus, its job is actually to help keep us clean to help free us from the things that are that are taking place in our body. So if we're looking at things like 5G, if we've got EMF radiation, it's going to help us clean and detox from that. <laughs> the same as if we've got, you know, any type of thing like heavy metals that might have come from vaccinations or our dentistry or um, any of the other ways, like we might have been drinking water that's been contaminated or eating food from soil that's been grown in heavy metal-rich environments is there to help us clean our system because if we think about it every cell of our body wants to live there are trillions of cells in our body and their goal is to live they're cheering you on but they need a clean space to do that and when we're looking at things um, like cancer for example we might have an overgrowth of (laughs) I'm trying to put this in a way that's not going to get me in trouble but You know, we might have lots of sugar. Our terrain there might be more available for cancer to grow. The purpose of that is actually to help keep us clean too. And if we really look at what's the purpose of the virus, how do we support ourselves? Like, let's say we have a virus and we have the symptoms of a virus. That's just feedback from our body to tell us that we need more detoxification. We need to get rid of the things that are clogging up the system so our body can function properly. And so from my point of view, the way that I work with people is actually to look at what is the purpose of what's going on. So, you know, if you're showing symptoms, 
of a virus, it's not that you are contagious and you have a virus that you can give to the rest of the community. It's that what is happening inside of your body needs some cleansing and some alignment brought into it. <laughs> I hope that answers your question, James. Okay, so partway through that, she was doing a whole lot of scary air quotes. And I, I'm literally trying to go back to grab the bit, what she actually said that she was putting in the scare quotes. But it's not obvious. For the, like, I'm dragging it back and I'm, I'm, I'm hurting Denise's brain just uh. playing with, like, this, this voice that's just saying increasingly stupid things. Oh, and, and it started actually, pretty stupid. It's just yeah, and that she actually says, it's not that you're contagious. It's just that you don't have a good terrain for, uh, you have a good terrain for cancer to grow on or for this virus to attack. Your How am I going to put bad. this in ways that aren't going to get me in trouble, Reed? Uh, be immediately too Skewered. stupid, even for the people who are listening to this. Uh, and whenever crap. anyone says, oh, the heavy metals in your body from vaccinations or the soil from the food you've been eating. And the 5G. Oh, and the 5G, yeah. You can't, you can't forget the, in the EMF waves. But I thought, I thought, EMP based on, on other Karen, oh. that the uh, virus was, was very much alive and sentient and is actually communicating with her. So I just yeah. don't know who to believe now. So what she's talking about, when she says terrain, that's sort of a telling thing as well because there's, uh-huh. there's germ theory, which you know, Louis Pasteur came up with, uh, which is how germs work. <laughs> and then Look, just because it's reproducible, it's a theory which has predicted, you know, predicts things that then turn out to be correct, you know, just because there's an entire logical consistency to that theory. You know, but what about, what about this stuff that well, doesn't do any of those things? At the time that... Uh, he worked out, Louis Pasteur worked out how germs work. There were, was this competing theory uh, by a guy called uh, Bechamp, I think. Was, uh, you know, another Frenchie. So, yeah, they knew about germs. But uh, he had this different idea, which was that disease tissue would, like, attract germs. And then that sort of has been converted into this thing called terrain theory, which is what she's referring to. But, yeah, it's... Just completely counter to everything we know about science, but uh, apparently it's quite popular with you know, alternative health practitioners like chiropractors. Oh, think that uh, somehow you know st- straightening the spine can <laughs> uh, pre- prevent disease. If you want a want a decent exploration into the wackiness of chiropractic um, practice, and, yeah, but I, I think they call anyway they call it chiropractic or something. It's weird. Like like the the adjective is that anyway. There is a Behind the Bastards episode on it. That's um, another podcast. It's a podcast with Robert Evans, I think, um, which goes right through the whole wacky history of it and the and the guy who came up with it. And yeah, and <laughs> part, part, part of the time they were trying to pretend it was a religion so they could get around uh, medical restrictions. Yeah, and the idea, yeah. yeah, but the idea that she's putting forward that the virus is something you that helps you is there to help you detox your system. It's like what is going on in your brain? Hey, just because there is little to no evidence of that. Uh, by say little to no, I mean. No evidence of that. In fact, quite the reverse. There's I evidence mean, of it, it'll, it'll kill you and it'll leave you with, you know, lifelong heart issues and all sorts of other things. But Can, you you're know. following these ladies. Have they, what have they got? If somebody asks them point blank, who's a single person who has benefited from the virus? Where's air? What are you talking about? Where, where do you get this idea that it is beneficial to health at all? Like, who? Do they have a, do they have a wacky example to misrepresent? Well, I mean, yeah, no one's getting the virus and getting healthier. I think that they think that, you know, big pharma benefits. Yeah, but, so, but her theory was that the virus itself was helping to cleanse you. Yeah. So I don't think they have any examples of anyone who's actually been cleansed by it. 
But no, nonetheless, just because there's lots of counterexamples and no actual examples doesn't mean that their theory isn't completely... No, it does, actually. That does, does mean that it's a pretty silly, yeah. silly theory. Bear in mind that the guy she's speaking to has put on his Facebook group, you know, I don't believe in space. I think the Earth is flat. Uh, which maybe makes him not the, you know, the most trusted expert on science. Well, look, is there a broader point to make? Okay, so obviously there's always fringe nutters who will believe wacky things, and it doesn't require COVID because it's not like these people were being, you know, had a sensible view of the world last year. But is there a point overall that as to why it seems to be being more prevalent? So you're obviously the one who's, like, if the question is, why are we hearing more about these wackos right now? It's because you're going and digging them out of Facebook and, and the media are being up and running with them because they're angry about a current thing and it gives us colour and light and movement. And, you know, they, they, there's something perversely, do I want to say entertaining? Infuriating, but also sort of, you know, the car crash thing. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Is there a broader point? Like, uh, are we saying that, is the point really that this is harmful because the more of this that there's out there, the more, like, this is not, she, they're not isolated. Um, I don't know if you found the Eve Black one where she drove through the checkpoint. Mm. Like, did you dug that one up as well? Yeah. <laughs> she's been, a, this is the woman who's like, don't pray, really excited that she's going to go through and, and, and spout this script and then not, uh, uh, when she gets to the checkpoint and not give her name. No travelling. Oh. Have I disturbed the peace today? Hey. Have I disturbed the peace? No. No. I'm just asking what your reason for coming is. Well, I don't need to tell you that. I don't know you. Okay. So where have you come from today? I don't need to answer your questions. No. I do like the one that was at the Bunnings near us in uh, in Blackburn South, where she was like, um, "Have I committed an offence?" And the cops are like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you have. Yeah. And she's like, what offence? Like, in the regulations, like, oh, that's regulations, they're not laws. You're like, yeah, no, they are, because there are laws that give the minister the power to make those regulations. And, in fact, other bodies that aren't even ministers, like, there is a law that gives them that power. So, anyway. So she drives through, and then, uh, and, and it's like, oh, my God, I feel so excited. I'm so happy. I've never been so happy. I, just, I drove through, and I got away with it. Oh, I'm so great. <laughs> Fucking yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel so good! <laughs> yes! Thank you! <laughs> uh, later on, she tried that, and I think she gets her, her window smashed in by the yep. cops. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah. And again, as I said, like one of the, separate to the point of all this and whether we, there is anything broader to be noting about this, there is that whole real tension in me as a person who is well aware of the police abusing power, but also fairly infuriated by people like... Well, everybody we've just heard who are the same people who don't care that the police do this sort of are brutal to marginalised people all the time and therefore kind of let it happen. They encourage it because they're they're like, oh, it would never happen to me. And you can see the deepness of that belief by virtue of the fact that they pull this shit because they know deep down the stuff that would happen to an Indigenous person doing that will not happen to them. Even if like gets her window broken, but it's only because they literally don't have any alternative at that point. She's like not letting them. They're yeah. trying. They're trying to get out of the car, and she's being. But she at least doesn't get you know tasered and shot like. Yeah. Like if she from a different group, so it's this weird thing where you're like, I don't like to see brutality from the police in any case, and it's not nice being on the police side in relation to those interactions. But I suppose part of it is that the people that they're interacting with are the very reason why the police are more brutal to other people because. It's their deep belief that it doesn't happen to me that's how the police get away with it in the first place. Uh-huh. Do you feel torn, Cam, in this conflict between 
the uh, police who have who, who have been so problematic in all the ways that have been identified by BLM, but also in these confrontations where it's you know fuckwit versus in many circumstances fuckwit. Yeah, I have tried to avoid uh, spreading copaganda uh, stuff that <laughs> you know, makes there, the cops seem reasonable. Well, I. I've tried to be objective in what I've presented, but you know, there's, there, there are other videos I could have posted where it's just someone being arrested and it would just satisfy. I get a lot of replies saying, yeah, excellent. You know, they should beat them up. They should put them in the back of the divvy van and go around all the corners. It's like, no, that's not what we want them to do to anyone. No. Uh, so there's plenty of material out there where it would just satisfy someone's need to see someone get arrested or to have their window smashed in. Uh, so I try to avoid that. When I'm posting this stuff, I kind of just want to make people aware that there is this increasing conspiracy culture, not just in Australia, but around the world. I mean, if you look at the QAnon thing in the States, where there are all of these candidates for Congress who believe in this completely ludicrous conspiracy theory about you know Donald Trump being a secret agent. I mean, he's, he's oh. up there standing against the terif- dangerous pedophiles like Jeffrey Epstein, which is why he was, like, doing that shout-out to Ghislaine Maxwell. Like, it just makes sense. Oh, yeah. Like, that must have blown their brains for a minute. Why is he doing that? I, I'm sure there's a, a deep deep state conspiracy theory explaining why Donald Trump is giving aid and sucker to uh, Epstein's friend. Uh, I haven't... I haven't actually seen anyone quite um, square the circle on that one yet, but uh, he's he's just trying to give you know, give him a false sense of security so he can really get them. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll probably be something like that. And we live in uh, a fairly good suburb of Melbourne and in the reserve that is just around the corner from us. And in that reserve, on one of the benches, someone has graffitied, "Covid is a hoax. Go vegan." Well, I mean, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, there's, there's, there's clearly some connection between those two things. And uh, when this was all first starting... Well, actually, to be fair, like a lot of them in the meatworks. Yeah. So if you're vegan, you have to be exposed to COVID for meatworks. Um, but and, uh, when this was all first starting, a friend was at Bunnings and the local one uh, next to us, and they heard people in the, in the next aisle discussing how it wasn't going to get them because they were healthy, they didn't eat extra sugar, her pineal gland was in really great condition, so she couldn't get COVID. What do we do about this? I I know that John Oliver had a thing on his uh, on last week tonight, a couple of weeks back, where he basically got a bunch of people that Americans who might be prone to conspiracies, like you know grandparents reading crap on Facebook, might be sympathetic to hearing from. So it's the guy from Jeopardy. Uh, uh, there was a wrestler guy for wrestling type people. He basically got these sort of famous people to be not trying to say to the conspiracy minded people, "You're idiots." Because because the problem with that is that they just shut it, just pushes them further down down the rabbit hole. But more to be like. It's, it is good to be asking questions, and it's 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 you know you're, you know you're you're alert and you're trying to trying to figure out what's going on, but test what you're being told. Yeah, think it through. Is this really the most plausible explanation? Is there another explanation that makes more sense and would require fewer unlikely leaps? And he he basically there's I think if you go to last week tonight whatever the website is for it, but I think that they've got like a list of these which are basically sort of things that you can play to your person who is amenable to these sort of conspiracy theories to try and get them to sort of gen- try to gently nudge them into the I don't want to be seen as an idiot I'd rather I think of myself as a, as a truth seeker that's what I am not a not a gullible twit what I appreciate is that you pulled the Canadian in there again with the Jeopardy guy nice <laughs> nice 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 Canadian connection there Alex Trebek is Alex here. Trebek is Canadian oh is he darling it's important for me to be aware of your Canadian culture at all times it um, is it is and I will pretend that I was aware that Alex Trebek was Canadian <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Cam, does that, does that seem like that? I mean, you're you're interacting with these people more than I am. Like, how do you reckon you you sort of because because you, you would think that the thing that would would 
steer them off would be looking like feeling like everybody knows that they're an idiot but the problem with that is that i that it kind of does push you i think one of the biggest things that religious people who are religious makes them one of the things that makes them really defiant is because they there's a, a when you're a young person who's religious there is it do, there is a sense that the people all around you think that you're a, a nutter mm. um and so you like limit yourself to the people who don't think you're a nutter and you back each other up and so you've sort of formed this hard shell against the world and i think conspiracy cults are similar to Religious cults. In that yeah, way. I think there's also an element of you know the sunk cost fallacy mm. where you've yeah it's, it's with things like like a multi marketing level scheme where you put so much money into it yeah. that then you don't think that you can feel stupid to pull out mm. and it's sort of the same thing you invest so much of your social capital in this you know you burn your you burn relationships mm. and so if you then give it up then what was all that for I've seen some people saying you know some of these people are pretty far gone they essentially need cult style deprogramming but i think for a lot of people you do need they just need to be approached with kindness uh more effective communication from government and media so one thing that i saw a lot of people talking about i saw like that uh fanos paniades guy uh who had the big rallies a little while back in melbourne against the uh lockdown 1.0 something he was saying is you know I've never, you know, I don't know anyone with COVID. I've never seen anyone with COVID. There was like, a, I think some young African uh, youth leader recently got COVID, and he's like, well, I don't trust him because there's all these photos of him with Dan Andrews because he's, you know, he's a leader in the community. It's the same reason I don't think I, I don't think that eagles exist. Yeah, but he's saying, you know, I, I've never seen anyone. Or moose, moose. Moose don't exist. Uh, no, moose do exist. I've no? seen moose. Well, who, who have we got to? Who, who can we take? Do we take Canadians' words on that? <laughs> I've, but he's saying, you know, I've ne- I don't know anyone with COVID. I've never seen anyone with COVID. I've never seen anyone say COVID's really, you know, I had COVID and it was really bad. Now, partly that's on him. There's plenty of material out there. What's he going to do? Google it? There's, you know, there's article after article of people saying, I, I had COVID, I had a, what's considered an incredibly mild case, and I'm still feeling it months later. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I'm permanently, essentially permanently you know, affected by this, and I had what's considered a mild case. I wasn't even considered bad enough to go to hospital. Yeah. But something I did see uh, just yesterday was a Victorian government ad yeah. where they just had an ordinary person who had contracted COVID. He went into a coma. When he woke up, he discovered that his wife had also gotten it and that his mother-in-law had died of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that ad and it's it's quite good and it's quite very it's very straightforward and we'd hope that it would be have some impact on people. But I, I guess if they're far enough down the rabbit hole, they'll be like, oh, it's just an actor. It's like the like the tradie, the government, you know, those tradie ads. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think you're not going to get the people who are really far down the rabbit hole, but what you are going to get is some of the edge people who aren't that far down it yet. Yeah, you'll certainly get the people who are like, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know anybody with COVID. Because hopefully... You won't. Yeah. Like, you don't. If if the average person in Victoria, what, two, six, how many people? Six million people in Victoria? Like, if we all know somebody who's got COVID, that's a lot of COVID. I would rather that I didn't know anybody with COVID, but I don't think that means that there isn't any. Yeah. The, the other thing I sort of noticed was this point they keep coming back to, you know, things don't make sense to them. You know, this decision doesn't make sense. This other decision doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's just because, you know, nothing's going to make sense to them. But there are some things that they mention. They're like, you know, if this was so bad, when we were talking about banning large gatherings, why did they wait over the weekend to do it? Yeah. If you remember that months ago, and it was because yeah. 
the Hillsong Conference had to go ahead. Uh, yeah, which is a... Hang on, hang on. But that's a conspiracy theory. It's just one that happens to be consistent with the behaviour of the politicians involved. But, yeah, that's, that's 100... And that's... Do you think part of the problem is that we have had all this mixed messaging? We've had not just the federal government dragging its heels. It really was the state governments that sort of pushed action at the beginning. And, yeah, Morrison kept doing stuff like, oh, yeah, we'll do something about it after I go to the footy. Like, we, it's pretty hard not to see that as... And, and, and this is what gets me. The same argument that you know, Greg Hunt was trying to run against BLM. Oh, well, sure. Sure, there's no actual transmission from BLM. But they encouraged people to feel that it was okay mm. to go and... and weirdly, Scott Morrison going to the footy, Greg Hunt didn't criticise in the same way at all. I don't understand why. But, you know, it is fair to hold the BLM protesters to a higher standard than the Prime Minister. Yeah. Um, and well, I, think, I think they demonstrated that, actually. I think they, I think they fulfilled that higher standard than the Prime Minister has. Well, and the other thing is the anti-mask protesters who were at the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne, a few of whom got arrested and arrested and they were dispersed. That wasn't all over, like, headline news. That wasn't everywhere. Didn't the Herald Sun run that as enemies of the state? No. No, it was, it was a small little article somewhere, like, on page 15. One other thing is, like, they look at the messaging around masks, which has been incredibly inconsistent. Yes. You know, uh, a few months ago, Dan Andrews was saying, you know, don't wear a mask because only people in the medical profession should be wearing them. We need to save them. And they don't understand. That's because we didn't have enough masks for everyone. If everyone mm. was wearing a mask, we would have a shortage and people who really, really needed them in the medical industry wouldn't have them. But because they don't understand that, they just hear him saying, you know, wearing a mask is stupid. And now he's saying, no, you have to wear a mask. They can't comprehend it. And yeah. And if you even we look back have at, more information. And if you even, if you look back at the messaging he was giving at the time, what he was saying at the time was, don't wear a mask unless you are, you know, medical thing, or if you're a high risk, if you're in a high risk group. So he was, he was, they were saying you should wear a mask then, but they don't hear that. They would just hear that they were telling us not to wear masks. Also, with the mask, a big part of it is... The- it, it, re- it reduces more transmission from the person who's wearing the mask than to the person who's, re- who's wearing the mask. Like, Which is why you need everyone to wear them, because yeah. you need everyone to stop oh, transmitting and also, it. people yes. need to stop letting their masks go down on their chins, putting it down their face onto the chin, which has been exposed, and then sliding it back up over their mouth. Brilliant. Just can't see how that could go wrong. All right. So does anybody want to hear about the government's other attempt to try and keep on top of the pandemic being the COVID app and what Stilgarian has to say about it for five minutes. Yes, Yes. please. Hello, I'm Stilgarian. And what's sticking in my craw right now, again, is the government's deceptive messaging around the COVID safe exposure notification app. 12 weeks ago, uh, 12 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, good heavens, I said that the entire claim by the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, that if we wanted a beer at the pub, then we needed to download the app was, and I use this word quite deliberately, and I still do, a lie. Well, the government continues to be less than honest, especially uh, the Minister for Government Services, outrageous internet bills appointing family members as company directors without telling them, and incompetence generally, Stuart Robert MP, who's still trying to blame Apple and Google for COVID safe's shoddy reliability. In late July, he said, and I quote, Apple and Google could fix this tomorrow. 
with their way of doing things with an app in the background. Uh, with a locked phone, the iOS, the Bluetooth works perfectly, so Apple could fix this tomorrow. They could actually ensure that the Bluetooth strengths was at the highest possible level tomorrow for applications built in a sovereign framework, and we're working with Apple constructively on this. Oh, that's bullshit, especially the bit about signal strength. As I've reported at ZDNet, you can look this up for yourself, for every bug that's been found so far, there's a straightforward explanation right there in the COVID-safe program code. There's no need to blame mysterious issues in iOS or Android. Now, Robert's use of the word sovereign is the giveaway there. What the government really doesn't like about the Apple-Google system, this thing that wasn't available when COVID-safe was first written but would solve pretty much all of the problems is that the data wouldn't flow through the government services, at least not initially. An app user would have to choose to upload their data. But COVID-safe also lets the user choose whether they want to play anymore or not. So what's the difference? It's men feeling that they're in control. Still, COVID-safe has finally picked up some close contacts who weren't spotted through uh, normal contact tracing, several in fact, all in New South Wales as I understand it, and using that data they claim to have picked up 544 additional people who hadn't been picked up through manual contact tracing who had been exposed to coronavirus, or rather potentially exposed to the coronavirus. We'll have to see what happens once they're all tested. Deputy Chief Medical Officer Dr Nick Coatesworth, I think it was, but whichever of the rotating health officials it was doesn't really matter, he said that, or the other one said that, COVID-safe was working as planned and it's always worked as planned and it's critical. <sighs> There's still this denial that anything was ever wrong and, and this insistence that it's critical I thought masks were critical. I thought social isolation was critical. I thought everything's critical. Don't use the word critical for everything. Something you know, is essential, it's critical, or is it just important, or is it merely useful, or, or is it perhaps just maybe handy? Be honest with us. Now, all that said, even if COVID-safe accomplishes nothing else, it only cost a few million dollars. Now, Labor has tried to roll in the cost of advertising too, which was some $64 million, but really that sort of money would have been spent on public health messaging anyway. Big deal. An Irish academic has the best take on this, I think. Uh, in Ireland, uh, their app cost 850,000 euros. That's around 1.4 million Australian dollars, so roughly the half the cost of COVID-safe. This academic said their app is dirt cheap because the average cost of identifying each case of infection is 42,000 euros once you add everything up. Quote, even if it fails to produce the goods, little has been lost. But for some reason, the Australian government doesn't have the spine to say that the whole gameplay has changed. I mean, seriously, they could just say that COVID-safe was a new idea, we gave it a go, maybe it turns out to be not much use, maybe a little use, but it only cost 20 cents per Australian, so eh. But of course, politics and the media coverage of politics is so bereft of joined up thinking that any change in plan is a backflip, a failure, a budget black hole or whatever. It doesn't have to be this dumb. That's enough from me. Wash your hands, Jeremy.
Uh, I would like to say that my hands are some of the cleanest in the what I would like to call ludicrously the business. I'm not sure that podcasting counts as, as the business. Hold those hands up to the camera, please. I'll be the judge. Oh yeah, they're fairly clean. Hmm. Look, look at the under the nails, even. You know, these hands have never done a day's work in their life. That's not true. Even though I'm a filthy leftist, these hands have done many days of work. And actually, they, they, do you know do you know why these hands are clean all the time? Because I have because you're in, supposed in, to be cleaning them. Yeah, I have infant children, and they and they need to be cleaned every <laughs> yes. what ten minutes. So anyway, they they no longer have you know oils and and whatever it is that that enables hands to be feel moist and comfortable because that's all been scrubbed off with repeated hand cleaning. But you know, um, so the secret. If, uh, but you also don't have random sticky goo on them. Oh. so you know it's a it's a trade off. Um, I mean, many people don't have sticky girl on them by not having children in the first place, but they're pretty clean, Stilgarian. I don't know what you've been seeing in the camera that makes you feel otherwise. Didn't see your hands. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, so the points about the app. Cam, did this... Because I, I suspect that this also filters into the old, whole conspiracy stuff as well. I'm sure they have thoughts about the app. Well, I mean, their thought about the app is, uh, you know, how Apple put their coronavirus thing on the phones anyway, like it's there sort of ready to be activated when the government gives it the go-ahead. When that happened, they all freaked out. That was worse than when U2 put their album on. Oh, God. And as a U2 fan, that pissed me off, let me tell you. Well, I, mean, I, I, I find it difficult to believe that anything was as bad as when U2 put their album on. Like, that seems like, look, a conspiracy where, the, where a private corporation is stealing all of your data and tracking you, and they are. Um, but I literally, we walked to our old house the other day um, just on a walk, um, and I got back in the car to go somewhere, and, and Google was like, "One of the, there were the two locations it gave me to travel to were home and my old address that I happened to have walked to for the first time in like two years." But yes, I, I feel like I feel like suggesting that that uh, you know oppressive and invasive tracking is worse than that U two album. I, mean, I think that's a bit of a bit of a bit of a reach, surely. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. It was a pretty bad album. Yeah, but Stugarian's right. It's like, and I don't, but I don't ever foresee. That idea changing that they will anyone even whether in government or in the corporate world will ever say oh wait we made a mistake <laughs> let's just uh, start again but- yeah because nah. they saw what happened like wasn't that because you know um, Gillard came up recently and she went on Q and A and they were going through her legacy of things and you know she didn't accept responsibility for for the uh, what she put LGBTQ people through. Oh, no, I just couldn't do anything else, really. I was like, yeah, you, you could have. You could have not argued for the other side, and you could have... It didn't... Your, your efforts didn't work, did they? Yeah. You didn't... Yeah, you could have... You got to be honest about, yeah, sorry, I really screwed that up for you. And she's not going to. Because she did... Did agree that she did something wrong uh, in politics. And it was the dumbest thing that she could have done. She agreed that she'd promised that there would be no carbon tax, and that the carbon price was a carbon tax, thereby giving the Liberals everything they needed to run that forever. Yes. So I presume that most political people have watched that going, don't give them you conceding their point. Yeah. Never concede their point, ever. But, I mean, if you look at something like the way that Gillard handled same-sex marriage, that's one of the these things where what she's doing is counter to what she actually believes in, but she's making a judgment that she doesn't want to lose the, you know, the SDA. The weird thing is that she's still... Defending it, yeah, and, and yeah. in this ridiculous way, she's not. Oh, we wouldn't have gotten it through at the time, so that I didn't even bother trying. Yeah, there's no. So I understand that when she was prime minister, she made the cowardly decision. 
to throw LGBTI people under the bus to keep power with the SGA. And, and I suppose her defence for that at the time was me being in power means I can do more good than the other mob being in power. So it's a sacrifice. I'm sacrificing LGBTI people, but I'm not going to say that to them. But it's a sacrifice I'm prepared to make. What doesn't make any sense is that she's still unable to say now, I was wrong. Yeah. Even after we've got marriage equality. You know, she's being asked about regrets and she can't even stand up there and say, well, yeah, I do regret that. I think I think that there were political realities around me that made it, although, I mean, I didn't think I could politically get it through, but in hindsight, I wish that I had put a higher um, priority on that and had been willing to, you know, spend some political capital to try to do the right thing, what I know was the right thing. Because she, she says that she voted for it. She recognised it was the right thing. But she's still running this inconsistent thing like, oh, look, I'm not sure about marriages as opposed to civil partnerships. It's like, yeah. that was always... and like, There are two possibilities. One is you know that that's dumb because, of course, it's dumb. Nobody was asking her to pass a law, you know, confirming whether or not civil unions were as good as marriages. They were simply asking her to pr- propose a law that stopped discriminating against LGBTI people. Nobody was forcing them to... It wasn't compulsory. Nobody was saying you should make marriage compulsory. And she's still running this dumb line, which means that either she's really stupid and doesn't understand why it's dumb, or she knows that it's dumb and is still running it because... Well, why? Because it doesn't protect her legacy. It makes her look stupid. Yeah, I think, well, that's the thing. You can either look bad in trying to preserve your legacy like this, or you can look bad in admitting that your legacy wasn't all good. So it's a bit of a Kobayashi Maru. And maybe she's learned her lesson. Yeah. She's learned her lesson after after the stupid concession on the stupid carbon tax thing that she said before the election. That I mean, that was that was so stupid. It was stupid when she... The, on, I remember, Cam, the day that she said that, going, why have you... You've just locked yourself in. You, you can't assume you're going to be able to just do nothing on climate change. Like, the Greens are going to push for it, as they should. To promise before the election that you will bloody-mindedly not do it, locking yourself in for no reason, didn't gain her anything, and then to concede afterwards that this different thing is the same thing because the libs say it is. So I understand that she's, you know, maybe, maybe maybe it's a deep part of her psyche now that she just simply can't ever concede anything because that went so badly for her. But yes, you're right. I think that Stilgarian's desire for government departments to be willing to go, nah, it didn't work out publicly. Well, like, that I will thought- never come true. <laughs> That's not... I don't know. I think I think the Department of Human Services has done really well this week talking about some of its mistakes. Well, let me drop this one in, Cam. Yes, this is the the alternative approach. Not saying I'm going to run this dumb argument that that uh, actually what I did was fine in the context of the time. How about we try this one? Define that obvious thing that we all know what we're talking about. Dead, cremated, and buried, or is it likely to rise from the dead and come back in some form? So, Senator. I think what you mean by robo-debt is compliance per se. Is that what you mean no, by No, I think everybody pretty well understands what robo-debt is. The only term that we've used today that no-one understands or is, is questioning is uh, what legal insufficiency. You know, robo-debt's robo-debt. We know what that is. Can you answer the question? It's actually not a term of art. It's I not something that's used by the department. So maybe we could have a definition. So I, I'm sorry, Chair, I don't know what robo-debt means. Um, oh, this. that is an extraordinary admission so, at this point. Because in, in the Campbell? context of the question, can I just finish? <laughs> so that's Catherine Campbell, who was the Secretary of the Department of Human Services when Robodet was established. Now, wow. So there, there you are. Guess Define that. word. 
I get that RoboDebt is not the technical term that the department came up with for this scheme, but <laughs> it is the term that is commonly used and understood in general through the media and everything else. No, no, we and will only engage in, this. in Parliament. We, we will only discuss this if you used our preferred department term for our process of matching incompatible data sets electronically and sending out debt notices on the basis of an automated system that clearly got it wrong repeatedly, but pretending that those debts are proper debts that have been properly considered and sending them to people with threatening letters in a terrifying fashion. We prefer to call it robo-obligation. No. Uh, compliance. Robo-compliance. Robo-compliance. Ro- robo- robo-community support. We prefer to call it rainbows and puppies. Yes. Um, we, don't, we don't accept robo-debt. Robo-debt sounds terrifying. It's just bizarre. Can you imagine being in the department and just trying to fudge off with that? Like, you're you're wasting everyone's time. Yeah. There's no, like, I, I mean, I, I like that the, the senator question was like, are you kidding? Yeah. Everybody I, knows what we mean. I, I wonder how she thought that was going to go. And not to harp on about it, but it reminds me of the sovereign citizens. There was that guy that was talking to the woman about, you know, is a virus alive? Uh, the way I found him was he was uh, pulled up at a checkpoint and they said, uh, your car's unregistered. Uh, you, you need to have a registered car and a license to drive. He says, well, define driving. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes. So it, it's lovely that that goes from the, the very stupidest person at the bottom to the most shameless. Um, I, Greg Jericho's remark in relation to Catherine Campbell doing this is just, you know, the, the ALP, if it ever gets back into government, just needs to do a wholesale clean out of the public service at this point. They've just, clearly, they've just filled it with shameless partisan numpties who are just, just wasting everybody's... They'll just do harm, cover for the ministers, and that is not what the public service is supposed to be. And and it's so galling that they've politicised the public service to such an extent at the same time as the courts are busy, are busy turning around and being like, and public servants can't have political opinions even anonymously. Like, we've got to maintain the neutrality, the political... How neutral the public services seem to be. It's not public servants who have private opinions tweeting anonymously that are making us think that the public service isn't apolitical. It's people like Catherine Campbell yeah, and Mike Pizzullo from Border Farce. Oh, I think they also had a thing where, like, with, with Ruby Princess, it's like, we're not responsible for borders at Border Force. How did you ever get that idea? What, what part of Border Force sounds like that's our job? Ah, oh, just madness. All right, so... Uh, I don't know that we've resolved anything that we can do other than, I don't know, try and gently steer our, our uh, anyone we hear around us who's, I, I think Ziggy's um, loudly spouting a conspiracy theory. I think it's about humans leaving him in the hallway when he actually wants to be in the warm room. Um, and uh, presumably the Freemasons are responsible for that. Oh, typical. He's coming into the like, ah, see, I defeated you, Freemasons, now I'm in the warm room. So did, did we resolve on whose side we're on with the when the, when the police are demonstrating good good practice with sovereign citizen loonies, white, white people who are pushing them pretty hard? Or, or do we find that just more infuriating? Because basically it's the police demonstrating that they can do that and they just don't do it the other times because they're racist. I think sometimes you have to say, I don't have to pick a side <laughs> in, the, in these things. All right, what, what about the... Is there any... In terms of the... Uh, are the conspiracy theory things getting... Well, they do so. I mean, obviously they're getting worse because as we push into, a, into tougher times and we yeah. don't... We're recording this on Monday actually early afternoon now, we don't know what later restrictions that are going to come from stage four with businesses um, that Andrews will announce today are because we're recording this just beforehand because 
you know, this is something wonky effect. We have to do it. Absolutely. absolutely. Even, even though this is what maybe we say, it's a something wonky effect where we, as soon as we record, like something new will be announced. But I suspect, Cam, uh, would, would you say that your, your feeling on this is that basically as as we descend into more uncharted territory, I don't remember when, well, sorry, we've had a state of disaster before we had during the bushfires. We haven't ever had curfews. I've, I don't remember in my lifetime in Melbourne there ever being a curfew. So I suppose as we get down that path, we're going to see more and more of people trying to make sense of things that they haven't experienced before with whatever... <laughs> whatever means they can and whatever theory they can. I think the more you get into the unknown, the more people reach for this sort of thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one way to reassert control over things. I mean, a lot of these explanations for why people embrace conspiracy theories are very simple. You know, I don't understand something. I want to try and make sense of it. The world is chaos. I want to have some measure of control over it. It's easier to think that there's this malign force directing things rather than a virus that's in the air that I can't see. Uh, making my life bad. Uh, uh-huh. Maybe we should look at it as modern myth making. Humans have always like come up, made up myths to explain things that they didn't understand, and this is just just a, a new form of myth making. It's like yeah. trying to make sense of the world around us. I guess in- the concern is that it does have like there are real harmful real world effects to yeah. this stuff. If you look at the uh, uh, the Guardian piece by Michael McGowan over the weekend that I had a, a few quotes in. Um, some of the stuff that he had from, like, Telegram chats or something of people talking about, you know, I think quite ordinary people talking about, you know, we need to start burning down the 5G towers. Which ones yeah. are we going to do first? And people have been. Like, people have vandalised them. It's a big issue. Yeah. Certainly in the midst of a health pandemic, it doesn't help that you've got this whole other thing going on. Yeah, and that you have people really convinced that, what's being done to try to help us through this health pandemic is actually being done to harm them. Mm. Uh, and it can then create even more of an issue. It also feels to me like there's part of it's, there is a real, sorry, I don't, maybe this is a conspiracy theory that I'm prone to, but I feel like it's fairly consistent with the world that we see and fairly self-evident that the people with money and power and privilege tend to prioritise that and and have more power and rights and, and well, they don't want, technically have more rights, but they have more rights in practice than ordinary people, and they are quite capable of doing things and getting away with them in a way that ordinary people can't. And that that sense that there is, you know, powerful people out there that the d- democracy isn't actually a real. Um, we we don't really end up having personal indiv- as individuals much of a say in what the, you know. You don't get a trade say in what they trade away. Sort of Hamilton's bit. I feel like there is a not unwarranted sense of distrust of, author- of, of the authorities as they are currently made up. But the problem is that the way that people, they, they take that genuine sense and then they re- redirect it into ways that are quite silly in the same way as <laughs> you have your, let's look at the, the, the Second Amendment gun nuts in America who are concerned about an, an oppressive, powerful government coming in and taking away their rights. At the same time as the federal government in America is busy sh- shoving people into unmarked vans and, yeah. and like... Those th- Second Amendment gun nuts aren't showing up in Portland to no. defend the people peacefully protesting. Like the thing they're, they're afraid of is not, un- it's not a thing that's a silly thing to be afraid of. It's just that they, they don't have any interest in the part, the thing that's actually happening. Just this imaginary one of like li- the, the, the real, the real ty- tyrants are the people who are, you know, wanting them to not oppress LGBTI people. No, no, that's not where that's not where a power source is. But yeah, it, the sense that some of the general unease with the power structures that fuels conspiracy theories, the general unease and the power st- is not unwarranted, and the power structures are not beyond criticism. 
Mm. It's just that the explanations people are coming up with, it's almost like the people who are the genuinely powerful people are perfectly happy for them to come up. They, like they don't, these are better things for the people who are really in power to have um, the ordinary people you know, fired up about because they're nonsense rather than what's actually happening. But then as soon as you say that, you say, like, it's really serious, what's actually happening? Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not alleging anything in specific. I'm just saying I'm, I'm fairly confident that money and power continues as it has always throughout human history to give massive privileges over the rest of us that, can, that continue to expand as the gap between wealth and, and you know, the wealthy and the poor continues to widen. Time to get your tinfoil hat, I think. That's crazy talk. Yeah. Well, what would you even call a system like that? Capitalism? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but is it, have you noticed that, Kat? Like, it does feel like a bunch of... Like, sometimes they hit on the sense of where the power imbalances are. Oh, absolutely. They're just their explanation. In reality, just their explanations are silly. I've seen, you know, that Thanos Paniades guy, he's a security guard instructor from Epping or something. Uh, and I've seen him perfectly describe the state of, like, capitalism. Just he's come up with it on his own. <laughs> but he thinks that it's this entire other thing. It's like, no, you're describing... What you're describing is not inaccurate. It's just that it's not the Freemasons doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need a special little religious cult with a silly handshake. Like, there are other power structures that are far more effective at doing that. Mm. Anyway, that's the world we live in. Cam can be found on at Sexenheimer and, your, and, and also podcasts in relation to the wacky world of conspiracies. Yes, I have a conspiracy-related podcast, The Hypothetical Institute which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, there's Gather Around Me that I do with Ben Pobji. And I also have a radio show on 3CR, 4.30pm on Thursdays. Yeah, Nah Passaran. And there's a podcast of that as well at uh, 3cr.org.au slash Yeah, Nah Passaran. Have you, have you reached the end of your tolerance for digging up these uh, concerning people on Facebook? Or is there going to, or at Sex and Homer on Twitter is going to be a place to find more of those as they keep going? We'll see. I've had a few people ask me, how do you watch all of these things and stay sane? And I have to say, I don't know if the uh, your question is valid. There the question might, might fundam- answer itself. Like, he's continuing to watch these evidence of the reverse. There might be a fundamental flaw in there about me staying sane. And where, Denise, where can people find you? Uh, Dincy on Twitter. And people can find us on the Twitter if you want to discuss what the episode and just getting engaged with us, which we like. Um, at Well May We Say on Twitter. Uh, also, thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers. You are how the podcast keeps going. And thank you to Robin Gray for the music and Alex Lum for the artwork. And we will see you all very shortly. Uh, hopefully next week, but we are also moving to the country. Which country? <laughs> <laughs> We're not telling you. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Bye.